Hello and uh, welcome to this first ever episode of Uprising, a podcast brought to you by POC, or as we like to call it, episode one of our POCcast. My name is Melissa Law, Head of Marketing at POC, and over the coming episodes I'll be facilitating conversations around the topic of native apps. Why is that, you might be asking yourself. Well, here at POC, we are passionate about native mobile apps and the power they have to drive customer attention and loyalty amongst a retailer's customer base. We're so passionate about it, we have built the world's most scalable and flexible native app SaaS platform, making it easier than ever before to deliver high-quality app experiences for your customers. So you could say we're on a mission. A mission to deliver your app your way, and this podcast has been created to be your trusted companion along your own app journey. So whether you are app curious or app committed, we are hoping to bring you episodes from experts that will help educate and stimulate your app purpose, as well as providing a bit of fun along the way. But it felt only right to begin at the start, and in this first episode, I'm delighted to welcome Jay Johnston, the CEO of POC, and Helen Slaven, the COO of POC, to discuss the case for app in retail. Um, I'm going to kick uh, things off by asking you to introduce yourselves a little bit more to help us paint a picture of how you've ended up here at POC. Well, after that intro, where we've promised to educate and stimulate, uh, I'm going to have to work extra hard. Um, yeah, I guess um, by way of an introduction, uh, if this was a, a visual exercise, you'd probably realise that I have been in technology for as long as I say. Uh, I, I, I actually remember that little sound that modems make when they connect to the internet. That's how long I've been doing tech. Um, I started out at MTV uh, here in London. Um, I had the enviable task of getting all 15 of our countries in Europe to agree on a, a central platform for content and for hosting. Um, and that seems to have been a, a pattern that has pursued me um, through my through my career, um, you know, basically trying to get centralization and economies of scale and developer kind of facing uh, tools and so on. Um, after MTV, I think I developed a taste for punishment. And so I had a similar job at a, uh, at a newspaper. We built a sort of global content management platform for news uh, that was um, ultimately serving uh, markets in South America, North America, Asia and Europe. Uh, for the world's largest uh, free daily. And then most recently, I've, I was the CTO of a, a VR platform. Um, and again, kind of realized the power of that platform pattern was enabling uh, you know, developers and other people to build uh, and therefore was the route to scale. And so, yeah, that, that really is a pattern that's followed me through my whole career. And, and, and I think it's very much something that we've tried to apply at POC. Uh, you know, you, if you can create the tools and the documentation and the processes that uh, enable outside developers uh, to build new experiences, then, you know, you really are then unlocking the, the, the whole value of the ecosystem. So, so yeah, it's, I, I was CTO at POC for uh, three years, uh, and that was very much my mission, was really to create this kind of extensible and open uh, offering that enabled, um, you know, not just us to build POC apps, but, you know, really the whole retail universe to take advantage of uh, of native apps. So yeah, that's the journey that's brought me here, and hopefully um, it will fulfill the, the promise to, to both educate and stimulate, Melissa. Fantastic. Um, 
I'm starting to feel a bit old uh, at the moment because that's the second time in conversation this week the sound of the modem. Do you remember the made, modem noise? handshake. <laughs> yeah, we just said, oh, wow. it actually used to give you a bit of hit of dopamine, <laughs> which is probably similar to what people get from social media now. So there you go. Yeah, the only difference uh, is it took about 40 minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Helen, please, let's introduce yourself as well. So I've equally been around in the tech industry for a long time, um, probably longer than the age I like to admit to. <laughs> Um, I started off my career in IBM and uh, made a decision to go into the sales and marketing field and very quickly uh, arrived at the retail division. I think made actually on a really intelligent decision that I actually quite like shopping, um, but got very much involved with running some of the retail accounts. And I've never really moved far away from that. Um, I, I love the whole retail industry. I love the changes, the complexity of it. Um, sometimes the backwardness of the decision making um, and clear intersections of technology. I actually um, sold one of the first ever, ever, ever websites. Uh, I can't remember how many years ago that was to a bank who was putting up a, a rugby league. So I've always been involved in digital. And since then, um, mainly with uh, sort of general merchandise, fashion type retailers, I've been involved in the various evolution of web and, you know, sort of omnichannel um, through to digital, big data. Uh, and obviously more latterly now sort of arriving at POC and I, I came into POC to join Jay and the team I think literally about six weeks before COVID so it was kind of an interesting wow. time um, and um, was fascinated by POC's journey, its background, you know how it really positioned itself uh, as an app company in the days when nobody really was doing app um, and built the first ever platform, which has evolved now quite considerably. But what excited me about POC and what still excites me is that opportunity of, of starting to take apps more mainstream in retail. Yeah. Uh, it has been a hidden secret. Uh, it has been something which retailers have considered discretionary. You know, we don't understand why. Um, but that opportunity of taking the platform truly on a global uh, basis and working with some brilliant and innovative retailers keeps us going, I think, every day. And uh, long may it continue. Wow. And uh, you obviously brought with you a lot of experience in retail and then that all got turned on its head when COVID hit. So it's <laughs> something that you're uh, adapting to all the time. It's definitely a fast moving industry. Um, so, well, thank you for that. Let's kick off the discussion. So um, this is all around building the case for app for retailers. As you said, it, it can seem like a bit of a hidden secret. Um, so what I was doing in terms of researching how we can start this conversation off um, I came across that the, the analyst data.ai, um, who are some of our friends in app, have recently released their prediction for mobile shopping app use in, in Q4 this year. And they're actually predicting that there'll be 450 billion shopping app visits this quarter globally. And that's up 22% on last year. Um, it's also worth noting that figure doesn't factor in China, but when it does, it leads to uh, over 850 billion visits. So all in all, that's an 8% plus increase in the UK and 9% plus increase in the US, they're predicting. So as someone who works at POC, obviously within app, and I also have a 14-year-old daughter who was actually born the same year the App Store was launched, it doesn't surprise me that shopping app usage is on the up from a con consumer perspective. I personally love shopping apps. But what it does surprise me is not all retailers have an app yet. So this is why I wanted to start the conversation really with you both. If consumers love using shopping apps, um, you know, why haven't all retailers adopted them yet? You know, why is that we think? 
Um, and in fact, with our own CRM data, we also believe that, you know, there's 50% of mid-tier retailers do not have a shopping app yet. So, you know, let's start with just discussing what we think the reason is. Jay, over to you. Yeah, great. Um, I mean, I think the data kind of speaks for itself in the sense that um, you probably are consumer from a consumer perspective. You would always choose a, a native app. You know, it's the slickest experience you can have on a mobile device. Um, but uh, that, I guess that comes at a bit of a cost, um, you know, and, and that is that you actually have to write uh, software for each of those platforms. So I guess by way of a, uh, of a definition, a native app is something that's written specifically for for iOS and Swift is the programming language and for, for um, Android typically and Kotlin. Um, and so I guess that's uh, the first barrier. That's the first reason is that complexity of almost having to maintain two different code bases, two different apps to, to actually be sort of um, on that platform. And so I guess that, you know, mobile web starts to look appealing if all you're really trying to do is have a presence. But um, again, you know, that kind of usage suggests that, that people really want the sort of added uh, kind of user experience, that added slickness that, that only native apps can provide. So um, I, think that's, I think that's a big part of it is that complexity uh, you know, uh, that, that creates, I guess, a sense of, I don't know, hesitancy about diving in. So our, our mission at POC really, and, and this is why I, I rabbit on um, about platforms so much, is like, this is the way that you take that complexity away. This is the way you lower that barrier to entry so that it becomes as easy to have an app as it is to have a website, um, you know. And so that's what we're here to do at POC. We really want to remove all of the, the kind of complexity that's around, that's around providing this best of breed experience and package that up uh, in, in ways that mean you just actually have to worry about, you know, the engagement and the relationship you want you can have with your customer through through this platform. So I think that's probably reason you know reason number one is it, it historically it has always been, uh, you know, seen as a, a little bit complex, a little bit you know, and, and the first wave of app adopters you know were all of those retailers who are of a scale and size mm -hmm. that could afford their own in-house teams. You know, they were, you know, um, the likes of Amazon and ASOS, they all hired an iOS team and an Android team, and they were sort of 10 developers plus for each. Uh, and not every retailer can afford that kind of investment in engineering. So obviously everything moves uh, towards commodity, you know, over time in tech. And, and so what we're trying to do is really create, uh, you know, a very easy access to that kind of technology, uh, again, so that you don't have to make that big investment. You can just take advantage of the, of the channel. I suppose it's it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because we were just talking about our years of experience in in tech and so on, and you could say it was a very similar story with websites initially. Oh, completely. Um, yeah, people were hesitant to invest, um, and now it's, it's you can't even contemplate a retailer not having a website now, uh, in some sense. And it's uh, platforms have made that easier for them to actually achieve. So similar story, I guess, with that. I think it's a really good point, actually, because when <laughs> back in the day when we were selling websites initially, you know, they were called Shop 99 and actually having detailed conversations with the boards about why would I want to put a website in? I'm just going to cannibalize the traffic to my store. And actually, all that's happened is that same argument is being repeated out. But it's it, it's not true and it's not right, actually. Um, retailers have so many things that they've got to worry about. Um, 
and the way that they work and a lot of their investment works, it's easier to take cost out of the supply chain often than perhaps bet on a channel that people are nervous about, especially for the reasons Jay discussed. You know, in the in the beginning, they were really expensive to build, um, often quite flaky uh, until you had a f- platform and offered a really bad consumer experience. And actually, the, the listing mechanism on the store means that that feedback loop is so much more transparent. You, you can give it a zero rating. You can put whatever comments you like. Um, and I think it scared a lot of retailers off. Um, and the initial retailers who went for this were typically those trading without stores at all. So it's just another channel to sell stuff quicker, uh, which is why it was originally associated you know, more with fast fashion, although the grocers did come in. And certainly the grocers have, have really bought in the whole concept of super app and the complexity. And what's happening now, I feel, is retailers are waking up and actually thinking, why am I spending so much money, um, you know, on acquisition via the web when it's noisy, it's competitive, my customers are leaving, when I have this ability to have, you know, even without the technology side, a channel which is just mine, it's on my customer's phone, they press a button, it comes up, and and actually I can communicate with them one-to-one. So I do feel that that real thinking now in retail about customer retention and lifetime value, and hallelujah, it's been a while to actually get retailers to, to start to think about that, particularly in the more difficult economic headwinds that we have now, um, we're certainly seeing here at Park a lot more really interesting and big brand retailers work with us um, on some pretty exciting app launches. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, you've given really good reasons there for, I guess, sort of app hesitancy within a business as a whole and why, why they'd be concerned of that. But... I think in some circles as well, you know, app does actually have a bit of a bad reputation. Um, you know, we as a company, you know, we heard things from an analyst say last year, you know, we all hate shopping apps in a room full of retailers. I mean, why why do we think that? Why do some native apps have a bit of a bad reputation? Are they things that can go wrong? Well, I, I think that particular analyst withdrew the statement saying that it was made off the record. And actually, in that same that same commentary, a very well-known CDO of a very large set of brands in the U.S., uh, actually said, apps, I hate them, and I'll be taken out of this retailer in a coffin before I bring them in. But actually, in the same breath, mentioned that the key strategy that he had was around acquisition. And actually, I found that quite interesting, and paid search for acquisition. So given that paid search has gone up anything from 26 to 32%, then it would seem to me a, a very strange strategy for any retailer to take, and also slightly short-sighted. Maybe it's not on the priority list, but just to ignore it. Um, but it is this thing that you see, I guess because everybody has a phone, it's really an emotional decision. And you see, I've never seen this in retail tech. You, you get to the board of a lot of retailers, and even with a really strong business case, a pragmatic plan, and some really sound thinking, you get the strangest comments. I mean, just in the last six months, a chairman of a retailer, I'm not gonna name any names, uh, phoned his wife. Uh, and actually, because the wife didn't use shopping apps, decided that it was going to be a, a negative response. And so, you know, really, it's a big decision for retailers to make they've got to go to the board and try and convince you know perhaps a certain kind of non-exec person that you know the the demographic that they may be associated with aren't the demographic who are going to be using engaging and shopping with the app but it it does feel like people sometimes lose sense of a a sensible business decision and allow their own emotions to flow into the decision-making process around app. I mean I guess you can't really blame some retailers for being a bit conservative and a bit risk-averse I mean COVID 
uh, were, to understate it was, was, was tumultuous. And, you know, we saw some of our customers do incredibly well out of it, but uh, like, similarly, some really had, um, you know, some struggled, some really struggled. And then straight on the back of that, we've had supply chain challenges, change, uh, challenges and cost of living challenges. And it seems almost kind of uh, relentless for, for the sector. And so I think, you know, some of those boardrooms, I'm, I'm sure, are feeling a bit embattled uh, and are, are feeling a little bit risk averse. Um, but of course, you know, app actually really represents a, a competitive advantage as well. I think if, you, if you're feeling bold about your strategic direction, then it, it makes complete sense. Um, you know, and I think the, the retention figures that we see, you know, if you are once you've got, you know, and, and I think that risk aversion extends to, ooh, this is a new channel. You know, um, we're comfortable with the web. We understand how paid search and CPC work, but retention and loyalty that that actually involves, you know, some uncomfortable conversations, and it actually involves actually creating someone who's responsible for that conversation, creating this new kind of channel for content and engagement and loyalty. And a lot of re- retailers probably worry about, you know, having to kind of reconfigure or their digital teams or think about this new channel. So uh, even though it is a, a clear you know, adva- you know, competitive advantage, I think some see that as just that a risk too far. But of course, um, you know, I think it's going to be a question of when, not whether. Uh, you know, those, p- those people making those decisions are certainly not going to be of the same mind as their, their children or their children's children, you know, where app is just going to be the, the default. And I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, the other point, I guess, is that with, with consumer purses tightening now, um, shopping apps aren't just shopping apps. I mean, it is a brand engagement. You know, you're sitting on the, the real estate of your you know, prime customer's phone. And it doesn't have to be just for the fast shopping experience. There's so many other different types of engagements you can have. Just checking in with them, just making sure that they're that you know the, the content's fresh, that they're able to browse, they're able to save things to the wish list, um, and more and more commonly now using it to get the app out in the store experience as well. So I think we're seeing so many different types of ways of engaging, and retailers really are starting to play with it and understand how far you can take app technology. And actually, it doesn't interfere at all with the web strategy it should be differentiated um, but you know to Jay's point you know the the responses you get from app engagement with your customers are phenomenal they do come back more they do shop more and even as a retailer you just launch an app and encourage your best mobile web customers to move across onto an app in the first year or two you'd make more money um, so it does feel like now I think we're starting to get that tipping point where retailers are getting a little bit more sensible about it and as Jay says it's not an if anymore it's now just a question of when I, I see it as a bit of an arms race, like, you know, um, you, Amazon, you remember, did one-click convenience and, and it kind of really opened the, the bidding on just how easy and friction-free can you make this checkout experience? And, and that's really, you know, this kind of uh, experience we're targeting, you know, how, how, how seamless and how quick can you actually make? Th- and, that, you know, the data bears it out, 30% higher conversion rate suggests it is a much, much easier, uh, you know, more intuitive experience. And then you can just continue to add to that experience, you know, in terms of loyalty and offerings and so on. And, you know, app again plays to that uh, real sort of deep engagement. So I think moving from, you know, we just want to get customers into our funnel to actually how do we continue the conversation how do we develop that long-term customer lifetime value you know that's that's really where app comes to the to the fore and and i think 
um, you know, is, if we are if we are in an arms race, and and I think the, these are interesting times with regard to sort of third party data and that sort of being phased out next year. You know, an app really represents a means of understanding your customer, so you can actually deepen that conversation, so you can actually really give them what they want. And so again, I, I think it's it's uh, it's just when, not whether. Uh, you know, all retailers are going to be operating in this space. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because Amazon, obviously, who you mentioned, they really set the bar for convenience. Um, and that's what everyone's aiming for. But obviously, they've now branched out into physical presence. But actually, app is there is your gateway into that physical presence as well. So yep. they're just using that as the the linchpin for everything that they do. In that sense, so what are, what are the other use cases then, other than convenience, or what are other people doing with apps uh, to really drive that engagement? Well, I think um, you know a lot of retailers now really starting to think about things like subscriptions, more sort of balanced payment offerings, and really sitting, as Jay said, at the, the heart of loyalty. And the app then is you know becomes ubiquitous with any kind of loyalty scheme, be it points or uh, be it sort of some kind of reward, surprise, and delight. Um, we have different retailers doing different things. Um, Elf Cosmetics in California. We love working with Ector and the team. Um, very inspiring lady and really super, super focused on exactly what experience she's going to offer. They've done some incredible things to extend their loyalty so that you can actually go into a Walgreens, not buy the product from Elf, just scan the phone, scan the receipt. And actually, even though you haven't shopped through the app or through the website, uh, you still get the the points uh, you know sort of associated to your loyalty. And for them, it's really remarkable because they want to encourage their customers. And actually, where you actually end up checking out shouldn't really matter. They want everybody to feel really valued and we're seeing a lot of retailers start to stretch the boundaries of how you can encourage and loyalty isn't a thing it's part of your you know identity and engagement with the retailer um, we're also seeing some really interesting journeys into AR and, and VR and you know the the kind of functionality we even saw it come into one of our shoe brands in the UK uh, hotter where you know particularly during COVID um, you know the older demographic who couldn't get out and were worried about shopping could just wave this phone over their foot and size their slippers up um, so all of that is coming you know is, is here now and uh, and quite exciting that you can just plug it in and trial it VR it's your your uh, old uh, stomping ground there Jay yep. how, how do you feel about some of those emerging technologies and you know things like the rise of the metaverse which I, I know is has been around for a while yep. but uh, it seems to be on a, a bit of a resurgence you know how how does that fit into the world of app and, I guess, from a consumer perspective? Well, it is. I mean, um, I think the age of VR has always been just one sort of, uh, you know, one uh, quarter away, shall we say. It is super exciting because it has got so much promise. I think um, VR in itself, super immersive. And if you've ever done it, it's amazing just to what extent you can be tricked into thinking you're, uh, you know, in somewhere totally different. Um, and I think that's that you know that that's one aspect that people typically associate with the metaverse. But augmented reality, I think, is a much more natural application of app technologies. And we actually have uh, a number of customers who are doing you know doing some really exciting things with virtual try on and and virtual fit type technology, f- making full use of kind of the cameras on the phone and the hardware. And of course, a native app is able to do that from the get go. So as soon as Apple releases that operating system and releases those features or releases th- those new iPhones, native app developers can take. 
uh, full advantage of that. You know, they've got the SDKs and they can actually access the camera uh, to do all sorts of great things, which is also why um, App is such a natural play within the store. You know, you can do things like QR code scanning. You can do in, um, you know, lots of in-store uh, type, type stock checking and so on and so forth. Uh, it's a really natural application uh, of the tech. But I guess with AR, um, you know, it's almost limitless what you can do with a camera and, you know, overlay with data. And we're seeing that, you know, huge advances being made, you know, from Apple, from Google. So it's, just, it's a natural application uh, of, of app technology. And I think, uh, you know, we're going to see lots more with regard to uh, LiDAR, the LiDAR capability, which is 3D object scanning you can now do with iOS phones. Um, in fact, I think that was one of the uh, the uses that our, one of our customers did for um, for the virtual try-on. You actually had a 3D model of your foot um, that you could then submit for you know for shoe sizing, etc. So I think it's a really exciting application of the tech. It's really interesting what you said earlier as well, Helen, about um, Elf Cosmetics and their use of their consumer using their obviously their own branded app on their phone, but within a retailer where their products are just stocked because they're really keeping that connection with their consumer then, aren't they? In a in an environment where usually they'd have no control over it. Completely, and yeah. completely. And also it allows them to truly understand the customer because you know actually if you're choosing to not only sell directly, but actually via marketplaces or wholesale, then actually it could be the same customer. And why would you want to deprive them of the fact that they can walk in, you know, off the street into a Walgreens and, and you know, buy lipstick or so some of their super foundations um, and not have to force them to order via the Apple website, you know, to get their points and uh, to get, you know, be part of their loyalty scheme. So, and I think with Elf and with others as well, um, they're really now thinking about how can they engage with their customer wherever their customer is, uh, utilizing sort of some of the app functionality. So we'll start to see a little bit more about how you, they can utilize the metaverse uh, when time is right. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things amongst a lot of our retailers now looking at how can I create an avatar, put it on the app, and then the avatar comes out and goes into the metaverse. And so it's exciting conversations. I don't think yeah. we're quite there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's certainly been a, it, and it's been a fun ride. You know, certainly if you take the uh, performance of cryptocurrencies as, uh, as an indication, it's pretty volatile, but really exciting. And there's really a kernel of, of value in there. Um, NFTs is another super interesting field, you know, actually having kind of copyright to digital assets. Uh, you know, I think we haven't even begun to see that one play out yet, but already our customers are thinking about how can they actually use the, the sort of lo the hub that is their app offering, their app presence, you know, to actually bring in these type of really interesting and new features. So, you know, imagine having an NFT that, you know, is minted of your brand that you can actually then uh, roll into your loyalty program and start to give people, uh, you know, their first steps into the metaverse. I think it's really exciting. And, and I love the fact that our customers are kind of at the forefront of that kind of thinking. And as we should also um, think about live streaming, I mean, Hot Topic, uh, uh, one of our customers, again, on the West Coast, really looking at live streaming to try to enable their store colleagues across their thousand stores. And we're seeing a number of different retailers play with different types of live streaming technology. Very large in China, hasn't grown as much outside of that, but certainly app gives them quite a great example of being able to do one-to-one -one or one-to-few or one-to-many you know, on, on an app experience with a particular promotion. So I think we're, we're going to see that grow and grow as well. I mean, it really feels like We've, we've just covered a lot there in terms of how app can be this 
gateway into a much deeper digital world, as you've mentioned, you know, NFTs and, and Meta and so on. But, but what you're talking about there, Helen, is also bringing the physical world uh, a bit closer to, uh, to the phone, I guess, in terms of, you know, having that human connection as well and connecting things like the stores and doing things like launches. And I suppose that's the great thing about apps is, you know, very rarely does a consumer not have their phone on them. It could be the most valuable thing in most people's uh, pockets now. And, you know, they're go, they're, they've got that phone when they walk into a store, when they walk down a high street, when they walk into a shopping mall, and it has that ability to connect everything together. I guess there's very little uh, other things out there that can do that. You know, hence a, a mobile website isn't really able to do that. It's very crowded. Yeah. I mean, um, more popular than television now <laughs> yes. in the U.S. I think that says it all, really, is that, you know, the, the kind of experiences you can offer, the, the variety and the depth of the experiences you can offer is actually superseding, you know, the, the more traditional media and totally disrupting it, in fact. And, and that is just because of that power that we now carry around in our pockets. And it is sort of interesting, those you know, retailers or companies that say, well, let's just stick with mobile web, because actually, you know, to the point, Melissa, to actually go and get to the mobile web, guess what? You've got to open an app on your phone. It's a, it's a search <laughs> app, but you've got to open the app. So you're actually making the journey more friction. You know, there's more friction in that journey than there is just sort of like o- opening up and tapping. And, you know, the journey the consumer will take with you will change. Sometimes you just want to be inspired. Sometimes you want to book an appointment. You might want to use a phone in store. You know, sometimes you want to shop quickly, um, check your points, return an item. Um, and actually, we're all used to using our phones to bank and to message and to to zoom and so actually the consumers are so advanced now in how they utilize app and phone technology Uh, well i think also one of the challenges of web is that the cost of switching is near zero you know just because of the actual architecture of the web you know and the way that hyperlinks work and so um apps are a way of kind of clawing back some of that attention and creating you know bringing the customer back into your brand and back into your your walled garden and having a conversation with them as opposed to just being one click away from you know another web page and i think that realization is really gathering momentum within the industry i think you know certain certain brands have realized it for a long time but i think it's becoming more and more obvious that the you know um mobile web is is kind of table stakes but if you actually want to develop that relationship, you actually want to understand your consumer and, and be able to then give them more of what they want. You need to, you know, see the data, you need to have more than just a two click conversation with them. It's more than just a checkout experience. Um, and so that, that's, I think, why more and more brands are coming to apps as a way of, you know, being the vehicle of that relationship, you know, being being the, the conduit to, to that deeper conversation. And you just can't get that on, on mobile web. And aside from that, you know, the, the, it is just a clunky experience. You know, having an app to then view another another page on a tiny device um, is suboptimal. And I think, you know, more and more people are veering away from that experience because, um, you know, it's just, it's not it's not that much fun. Uh, mm. it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's, it's something that hasn't occurred to me before, but really um, when you're asking people to go on the web, it is just a one-way communication. Yeah. It's your reliance on that consumer putting in the right things to find you, and you don't have that ability to communicate back. Well, often really. on the web, it's your password. Mm. <laughs> you know, have you ever been on a mobile website and been logged out? It's, it's, uh, it's existential. Um, and I guess, you know, again, part of the depth of the conversation you can have on app is that 
you're always logged in. That persistent login just means, again, you are one push notification away from restarting yeah. the conversation. Um, and so, uh, again, that, you know, that, that clunkiness of the web, I think, is just inevitably going to be superseded by, you know, the, the kind of really sort of intimate and instant kind of connection you can make through, uh, through native apps. That's right. And I think um, some of the things that we're bringing in now, uh, the install mode, super exciting, the ability to be able to, you know, take a look at stock, but then decide you want it now and just switch to your favorite store and then be able to go and view store stock and, and sort of then reserve it and go back in again. I think that that ease of shopping and that ease of, of view is certainly going to start to put apps, I think, far ahead of mobile web. It makes complete sense. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. Um, I thought that was very enlightening, even for myself, who've been at POC for for, for some time now. So thank you so much. Um, before I go, um, before we go, I want to ask uh, each of you a question, which I plan to ask each of our guests we have on the podcast. So um, that question is, what app would you recommend to our listeners? Uh, it's got to be a non-POC app, obviously. Uh, but, you know, any, any honourable mentions are welcome in that, se in that sense. But something that you use on a regular basis that you believe makes your life that little bit easier. So go-to apps. Um, it's, it's a toss-up for me between Google Maps and, and, and Spotify, possibly reflecting some of the <laughs> other passions in, in my life. Uh, but if I had to choose one, I, I think it would have to be, uh, have to be Spotify. Um, it's been a you know a, pr a pretty uh, constant companion for more than more time than I like to admit actually and I, I took took a look at my took a look at my starred list it's it's fourteen hundred songs strong now um, which means I'd probably rather spend time with Spotify than I would with some of my friends uh, but it's uh, it's a really it's a really great experience you know instantly being able to connect with you know mi literally millions of songs is something that we would have never conceived of you know even 20 years ago so Spotify for me it's that emotional uh, relationship there yeah. that we were just talking about yeah. right there isn't it how about you Helen um, well I'm uh, as you both know quite keen on playing tennis not very well but um, there's a fantastic app called Tennis Vision which you can download and actually you can download it on the watch as well and it enables you to set you can actually play with it You can, it shows you how you, what speed you're running what speed speed your services at all kinds of aspects of your performance on the game and if you're really into it it's quite it's quite fun to to watch and uh, record and feedback on how well you've actually played that particular day um, I also love booking.com um, simple app really easy to book hotels and another passion is sort of going away if you can at the weekend so that's a great app and really really well ordered Wow, I feel like we need to take a, uh, check out some of your tennis vision stats <laughs> and see if, uh, see if we can today. uh <laughs> track that that sounds really great well thank you for joining us for this first ever episode of POC app rising podcast over the coming weeks we'll be publishing episodes on topics such as app marketing whether you should build or buy your app and be joined by a host of experts from the POC community including retailers and tech partners you can also join us in London on the 2nd of February 2023 to get your app fix. That's where we'll be hosting AppRising Mobile to the Max at the Courthouse Hotel in Shoreditch, London. Register today on the POC website to secure your place. It's guaranteed to be an education in all things app and also a lot of fun. We'd love to see you there. Once again, thank you for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.